Welcome to Corkscrews and Contracts. I'm Wyatt Wallace. And I'm Jennifer Hamrick. Thank you so much for joining us. We created this podcast to really bring more knowledge and uh, more information, of course, to those that are looking to buy their own home or uh, invest in real estate. And uh, thank you for joining us today. We encourage you to grab a glass of wine with us and talk real estate. Today we are drinking on the Apothic Red wine. It is quite tasty, Mm. right? (laughs) Uh, Our guest today is Brad Bald. Brad is a real estate attorney for the Row Title and Escrow LLC and Keller, Turner, Andrews, and Gannon, where he counsels clients in various commercial and residential transactions. In addition to his real estate practice, Brad assists the firm in sports entertainment and corporate division, as well as serving as Rule 31 mediator. From Nashville's hottest entrepreneurs to your first-time home buyer, Bradley enjoys helping creative and motivated individuals in all aspects of their career. Bradley received his Bachelor of Arts in Psychology from the University of Delaware and his Juris Doctor from the University of Baltimore School of Law, where he graduated cum laude. Thank you so much for being with us, Brad. Guys, thanks for having me. This is awesome. We've talked a little bit about uh, where you where you've come from and, mm-hmm. and and so forth. Can we have? How did you get really to Nashville? Sure. So I'm from Annapolis, Maryland, basically Watertown, USA. Crab cakes and football, as everybody has <laughs> probably known from Wedding Crashers. <laughs> yes. Um, but I've been in Nashville for going on my third year now. I would visit in college and primarily in the beginning of law school to CMA Fest. That was kind of my first experience of basically the whole scene of Nashville. Yes. And every time I would come down here, it just amazed me how beautiful and clean the city was. And every time I would come back, I always told myself, there's got to be a way that I can get down here. There's got to be a reason for Brad to make his way down to Nashville. And, you know, throughout law school, that kind of kept, you know, basically another voice in my head telling me about going to Nashville. And I was halfway through, I just decided, what the heck, Nashville seems like a cool place to live. Let me try to take my law career there after I graduate. And basically dedicated my entire second or probably the end of my first year of law school to finding a job here during the summer. Wow. My second or third year of law school, I landed an internship doing commercial real estate working downtown. Yeah. And through those two months, that I spent here, I was networking my tail off. I mean, it was coffees, breakfasts, lunches, happy hours, bar association events, just so somebody <laughs> would hire me. Because I didn't know what the you know, first American title where I was working, I don't know if they were gonna hire me after. So I was just trying to cast as many nets as possible out there. And then with all those contacts I made that summer, I basically stayed in touch. And I, I like to, I don't like to say I, I annoyed the firms, but it's like a pleasantly persisted. And I did that uh, with the firm that I'm at now for a little over a year until uh, shortly after I graduated, they said, all right, Brad, enough's enough. We'll hire you. And been at the firm and title company ever since. Wow. So it's been a cool journey. It's great. The hustle in the, you is so hustle, cool. hustle, baby. Yeah. It's energy. Well, that's how we know Brad is networking. That's true. And yeah, build that relationship through... I can't even remember the first time we met. It was a networking event. Yes. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Probably was. It was maybe Network Under 40 or... Network After Hours. Network After maybe? Work. Yeah, yeah. It was after downtown. Work. Yeah. And then I met you at the Network That's Under right. 40. That's right. You sure did. Gosh. And wow. now, now look. Now us three networkers are here. Doing <laughs> Just making show. it happen. Yeah. <laughs> That's All right. All that work has made Brad a well-known title attorney in the area. Well, right off you, of Music you. Row. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> right down the street. 
Man, yeah. so cool. I love being able to walk to your office. Oh, so convenient. <laughs> so, it's the most convenient thing ever. I mean, the park, parking's great. I mean, they were in the Gulch, but that was prior to me working there, and you yeah. had to go through the parking garage and all that stuff. But we have, you know, plenty of parking for our uh, guests and clients and wow. friends and family. No, I like it. <laughs> yeah, man. So, uh, you mentioned uh, title work and the mm -hmm. whole bit. Now, this isn't, uh, you're not the first uh, bald to be in the business. That is the truth. That is the truth. So, my dad's been running a title company and a law firm in downtown Annapolis for over 30 years. Wow. So, I was like, a title was in my blood. Not to sound cliche and <laughs> how lame that sounds. It says, like, title is in somebody's blood. But, you know, I just saw the way he ran a business. And, I, and I'll never forget the conversation that made me go to law school is I never wanted to really be a lawyer. I never wanted to go litigate cases and do the personal injury and the, you know, big, massive uh, class action lawsuits. That was never an interest of mine. I always, you know, watched how my dad ran a business. And he told me straight up, he said, Brad, I'm essentially not a lawyer. I run a business and I help clients put together transactions. And that really, really stuck with me. And, you know, obviously going to law school, I was going to take over my dad's business. But, you know, he's he's gotten over the fact that I've moved to Nashville and he loves everything about, you know, my career and my you know, younger brother just moved here about like four months ago. So now Nashville's gonna be a, a second home to them as well. Oh, that's exciting. What brought your brother here? So he completely changed careers. He went from being a full-time attorney back in Maryland, and now he's pursuing acting uh, here in Nashville. And he, he started out doing uh, digital marketing, social media marketing, and then now he's transitioned fully into the acting career. So he said, you know, screw it with the law. I'm going into acting. And you got to give him credit for it. I mean, he's full throttle, so I'd love having him, you know, here as well. Breaking it down, where is the point where, you know, a lot of times clients will come to you and they'll say, hey, listen, I know that I'm supposed to have an attorney for this. Right. Uh, I, do, I may not have worked with one before, or maybe uh, I need to step up my game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they put together some good agreements, so I'm in trouble down the road. <laughs> yeah. And that's, and, sorry, go ahead. I was, you know, yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, go yeah, for yeah. it, please. <laughs> um, that's a, that's a big common misconception of attorneys is, first of all, you only come to them when you have problems. And on the title side, you only see the title company at the end of the transaction, which is true. That's where a majority of our work is done throughout the title side. But as real estate attorneys, Jennifer, you know, the, the partner of the firm who I work hand in hand with on the real estate side of things, we love being at the start of a transaction, especially if somebody's, you know, purchasing their first commercial property, if they're investing in their first, you know, property, whether it's residential or commercial they often have a lot of questions and I like to kind of be, you know, helping them out from the beginning, whether that's sending them up with an entity or sending them up with an HPR. Those are, that's the stuff that I enjoy, especially the new, you know, the new time, uh, not even just the new time home buyers, but the new first time home flippers, you know, that have a lot of questions going in and it's nice to be able to steer that conversation from the beginning and be able to hook them up with the right team. And that's, all, that's what I always say, you know, if they come to me, I'm, I'm not going to serve as their real estate agent. They need, you know, professionals like you to handle the transaction. So you right. want to make sure they have a good team in place. They have a good loan officer. But on the legal side of things, we want to make sure that that's, you know, taken care of from the beginning. So it's not three days before closing. They're like, oh, well, you know, I didn't pay this off or I had this, you know, title concern and I bought this property out there and I didn't think that was going to, you know, yeah. stretch my liability. So when you say from the beginning, right. because being on the transaction side with buyers and sellers, um, at what point should a investor or a buyer 
come or seller come to you? Is it when you know they list their house, or is it when it goes under contract? What's the beginning when you say that? Where do you sure? No, that's a, that's a very 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 good question. Honest, as vague as this might sound, any when somebody starts talking about real estate, okay. like this, that when they're interested somehow in doing anything with real estate, I like to be you know there from the get go, and that that makes it important for me because when they come to the closing table, I know that like we were there from the beginning. Right. Um, and when it comes down to being a uh, title attorney on the residential side, you, the realtors generally steer the transaction a little bit more because. It's a you know tar form standard agreement. There's not much negotiating those terms unless the special stipulations are a little bit difficult and we want to insert some you know important language for your clients. Uh, but on the commercial side, the, the negotiations start with the LOI. That's basically you know with the intent, the letter of intent to sell or buy a piece of property. And if we can help you know the commercial realtor negotiate those terms, that makes the negotiating of the purchase and sale agreement that much easier. Okay. So on the commercial side, I think it's easier for us to say that we'd like to be in the transaction from the beginning. Uh -huh. But as long as we start the relationship early on the residential side, then we know that we're going to be comfortable and as long as they have good players in hand to take it all the way to closing. Mm. That is great information. I don't think a lot of people realize that. I, I know. And like, not to mention, you know, back to a common misconception, it was when I tell people that, you know, I run a title company. People are like, what, what is it? What, a title company? What does, what, what does a title attorney do? And But then you tell them, like, that we're the ones who close the transactions. So, oh, you're a closing attorney. So mm -hmm. it's important to kind of, you know, intertwine, you know, those, those, those two languages. If you'd like to be an on-air guest, ask questions, give ideas, or feedback for the podcast, Sign up on our website at corkscrewsandcontracts.com and let us hear about it. If you're in the Nashville area, please join us for the monthly Middle Tennessee Investors and Wholesalers Network Happy Hour. Two hours of pure networking and deal making. You'll meet brand new investors and wholesalers all the way up to those that buy hotels. You can find more information and sign up on our website at corkscrewsandcontracts.com. Don't miss it. Go into more detail about like what because people don't see what you do behind the scenes right. to get to closing. Exactly. So kind of explain that process a little bit so investors and buyers and sellers know your purpose. Sure. And yeah. Why you're so As, especially on, on the title side, you know, we'll get a purchase and sale agreement, you know, executed from you guys, and we'll send that to our title underwriters. They'll pull a title abstract report where we'll get all the uh, deeds of trust or any liens that are outstanding on the property. We'll be able to see any encumbrances, any easements, any previous, uh, basically, previous transactions that are of record over the past, you know, 50 plus years. Wow. And in that line, we look to see if there's any discrepancies. If there's, you know, a property line that's adjacent to another property line, do they even own a little sliver? Are they going to have to tear down a deck? Are they going to have to tear down a fence? And those are important questions that we like to review and help out wait before closing is going to even happen because that's the last thing that you want to purchase property that's basically a mal malfunctioned, if that makes any sense, if they have property that they don't even own or they have more property than they should. Um, so also, we always pull, obviously, as I mentioned, liens. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, there will be liens that maybe uh, what is called a mechanics lien. So a contractor may perform work and they didn't get paid, so they'll file a lien and notice a lien onto the owners of the property. And sometimes... 
I don't know why they why it happens, but yeah. they, they forgot or they didn't know that a lien was filed when it's on the record. So we'll obviously have to make sure that those are paid off. We have to make sure the contractors or there's a release if it was a faulty lien and there was a negotiation or a settlement that happened outside of the courtroom where they were able to solve that. So we'll make sure to get that lien released from whatever the respective company. So once we get all that information all ready in rock, that's when we, um, you know, we'll have insure them with a title policy and do the entire closing transaction and review all the closing documents and give them the nice, pretty warranty deed that tells them that they own this certain piece of property. Wow. So I know that was literally for the uh, listeners out there. You guys can probably turn that off because it's real. I mean, I know it's the sexiest stuff in the world, but I mean, Title come. I mean, that's 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 the art of the business. And you know, I, I I don't think of being a title attorney as you know digging my heels into the roots of you know what exactly is title. I'm yeah. a, I like it as being a people person facilitating yeah. transactions because at the end of the day, that's what we're doing. I will I will second that the uh, the likelihood of a mechanics lien being on a property. In a, uh, I had one of my own. Yeah. Where it was a situation where a contractor. Uh, the sub of a contractor wasn't paid or had there was a concern about getting paid sure. and so that sub actually left a note on my front door of the property when I came back to check on it like hey I haven't been paid I need to get paid with, and, a, with a note with a note yeah. just like like a note you know out of a uh, out of a college ruled notepad yeah. Just, yeah. just put that on there yeah. it might have been wide ruled I don't know right right but it might it was like pencil <laughs> just hey listen I need to get paid because I did XYZ right. and of course I've never met this person because they're a sub of a sub sure you know and so in that situation you know they could probably put a lien on there right yeah. And it's it's like uh, hopefully there's paperwork between my contractor theirs and the one that hired them. You know exactly, exactly. And, and so you would people do not even realize. Would know. And they unfortunately it has to you know happen a few days sometimes before closing in the worst worst case scenarios. Wow. You know, but yeah. but it's it, very important. To, mm -hmm. It's things that can either stop like a closing from happening altogether or push it out until it's fixed. Correct. Or it may prevent the uh, buyer from even wanting. It. They may have to back out of the uh, uh, purchase and sale agreement. You know, and, and sometimes you get in the land where, you know, you, you purchase the property. I mean, you sign, you sign the contract, and it's hard having that conversation with people, you know, when they enter agreements like that. I mean, that's not even just the real estate world. That's any business and being an attorney. What, what is a hard conversation you've had to have with somebody? Ooh. That's a big conversation. Um, so... Here's a good one. A lot of the times, if, if, if you have a very simple name, like John Smith, like, and you're buying, pro or actually you're selling property, and there are 14 to 20 judgments out there of John Smith getting sued. So John Smith might have a, a judgment against him for $100,000, $200,000. He may be a contractor and forgot to pay some of his subs. So he has all these, you know, uh, liens on his property, but... That could be a totally different John Smith. So that couldn't be the that, that that could have be someone different other than that seller, you know, that is our client. So we'll have to basically reach out to all the judgment creditors and make sure and to confirm that those aren't the same two same John Smiths. And sometimes we'll have to do that really, 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 really quick. And obviously we want to trust our client, you know, and we hope we would hope that they would never tell us that, hey, that was actually not my judgment, but then we come to find out that it was actually their judgment. Um, so we never want to make an, uh, assumptions, but 
those conversations, you know, do happen. You know, if yeah. they have something outstanding and they're not going to, you know, tell until the last minute, then sometimes, like, if there's money against you that you owe, yeah. you're going to have to pay that. Mm-hmm. And that's going to come out of your the seller's proceeds at the end of the day. And sometimes they don't like to hear that because they expect, you know, they say they sell a property for $100,000, paid off their uh, deed of trust. Yeah. They expect to have close to $100,000 of net proceeds. But if there's a lot of encumbrances on there and a lot of outstanding liens, they're going to have to pay that off. Wow. Moral of the story, never make fun of a weird named child <laughs> exactly. again. Exactly. Be like, exactly. it's not a problem. Yeah. Exactly. Unique names are great. I know I had a, a situation with one of my clients. I was on the buyer's side and the seller had stopped paying the mortgage. So if you stop paying your mortgage or your homeowners, that will affect closing yeah. on your side. Aren't those important? <laughs> so My goodness. We've also had one where a homeowners association like we couldn't sell, we couldn't close because of that. Right. Uh, that had not been paid, and they, it was thousands of dollars owed. It had not been paid for a very long time. Oh my gosh. So could that's not diff- sell. That's, that's difficult. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so. Just think about that, though, when, you, when you're... It's hard to believe that somebody wouldn't pay their homeowners or wouldn't pay their mortgage. Right. But those, but those are things you got to be thinking about. Right. You know, you have to make sure. I mean, one of the biggest things that we tell all of our clients, not necessarily even just on the real estate side of things, but on the business, uh, any business transaction, make sure that your books are in order. Mm-hmm. Make sure your finances, make sure you have a good relationship with the CPA. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is especially, especially with investors. I mean, make sure they have a good team, whether they're represented by a business management firm or just a, a plain old simple CPA um, that's running their books and making sure that everything is being paid off. They're paying their taxes on time because that stuff gets overlooked. And the last thing they want to do is deal with that a few days before closing. Yeah. And it happens. You'd mentioned... Um, uh, Oh gosh! Well, we were actually before we got this started, we were asking about LLCs and right. and so right, forth. Right, right, and right, right. you know, there's uh, it depends on which state you're in, what the rules are about an LLC and sure. when you should file one. And I know a lot of times people will ask me, "Hey, listen, I kind of want to buy property in my own name for a while. Right. Is that a good thing?" Or um, I had actually purchased some property, uh, or I've purchased multiple properties from people in the past where it was just mom, pa. And they, you know, they bought it or they inherited it right. 60 years ago, and it's still in their name. But there's a there's a tenant in it. Okay. What is the what's the legal ramification? No, that, 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 that's a great question because we have that conversation day in and day out. And the quickest answer that we can say is that if you would feel more comfortable to purchase this property in your own name for now, and you're going to use it as your primary residence, at least for the present time being. And you may end up putting a tenant in or you know, running it as an Airbnb or making it as an investment property. You can always quick claim the property into an LLC. So you can form an LLC and quick claim the property. Just because you own the title in your sole you know, personal name doesn't mean that it can't be changed down the road. And sometimes, I mean, that's a conversation that's important to have with your lender because a lot of the lender, when you review the closing documents, say that in the event of any change of ownership, it you have to do. Ex- exactly, they can accelerate the debt. But if it's generally, you know, 99% of times, I mean, don't quote me on this loan officers, but, um, you know, <laughs> if, 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 if they're still, yeah, exactly. If they're still, if the owners are still going to be paying, you know, the monthly mortgage, and, and the lender is going to still see that check come in, and it's still basically from the same person, mm-hmm. but it's just from an entity, they're going to be fine. 
as long as it just wasn't, you know, quick claimed out to, you know, Sally neighbor in California. Right. That's somebody's running, you know, the home. That's when it gets a little bit, you know, frustrating. But back to the conversation. I mean, if you're at any conversation to have this as an investment property, you're going to have tenants on board. It makes total sense to put it in a uh, LLC because you want to protect your interests. You know, say you have a bachelor party or bachelorette party coming into town, staying with you in your residence that you're leasing out, and one of them slips and falls or they get too drunk and slips off the table, you know, they could come and sue you as being ownership of the property. Mm. The LLC itself protects you guys from your individual liability. Um, so that's just a lot of stuff that, you know, especially now in Nashville, I mean, you know, bachelor and bachelorette you know, kingdom that people yeah. are coming day in and day out and there's people that always want to visit. So people are Airbnb in their, their properties day in and day out. So it's important to think about those considerations. I love how the consideration was after they fall off the table. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in my mind, I have these, just like this whole bachelorette crew and they just decided it was a good idea to do yeah. dance moves on the table, which why not, right? Why not? Why not? Yeah. yeah. That's fake, okay. <laughs> Right? That's exactly. Fine. That makes sense. That's what we're going to do after, right? We're all going oh, yeah. to go out and dance on the table. It'll be time to party after we get done yeah. with this. Right. <laughs> exactly. I, love I hear this all the time, uh, actually from other podcasts that I listen to and, you know, back and forth and a lot of people in our field listen to uh, bigger pockets and and whatnot and, and I, I don't know if specifically if you've seen this but is it what is the guidance on multiple LLCs you know uh, for each property or do they need to be in series of some kind where one you know answers to another one to another one sure so a lot of the time, I mean, you can own property and, you know, uh, if you create one LLC, you know, that property or that entity can own a lot of other different ent uh, other different properties. Um, but a lot of the times, they'll have other entities just for privacy purposes, and it'll basically be like a subsidiary. So if, you know, corkscrews and contracts, you know, LLC... Um, wanted to own property for a recording studio for the podcast oh. and they expanded and they wanted to you know purchase property out in Louisiana and New Orleans to have another recording studio you could create and the owner of the new LLC out in New Orleans could be Corkscrews and Contracts LLC it's just a subsidiary so that Corkscrews and Contracts would act as the parent company for those LLCs so it's basically all in one family or one of one kingdom, yes. um, that helps with the uh, book. So you don't just have a bunch of floating LLCs mm -hmm. um, around that they're all somewhat, you know, connected to each other's business. I like the way you think. Yeah. We have a lot of, you know, uh, uh, clients that really get obsessed with uh, real estate and create several different subsidiaries, you know, over the, over the uh, nation, whether that's in Vegas, California, in Delaware. I mean, there's always different, you know, uh, interesting key points for people to do. So, to, because last time we talked about buying investment property with no money. Right. Um, so if you are just starting to get, I'm just kind of wrapping up what we've been talking about. Yeah. Um, so if you are getting into investing for the first time, you don't have any money and LLCs can be pricey depending on what state you're in. Right. Um, it would be okay to get started as yourself 
and then possibly go into LLCs as you grew and the finances got better because you could quit claim and things like that? Sure. And, and that's all, that's always an option. But then when you think about it, like if, they, if, if you know a property is going to be investment property, I mean, yeah, $300 is $300, but that's a very, very important investment that you're yeah, going to have to do. Sure. And what we do a lot of the times for our clients is we'll, we'll, we'll create the entity for them, just like a client that buys property and wants to set up an HPR and then sell off those units. We'll create the entity for them, and we'll pay it through our company, but we'll take out those costs at closing. So they don't have to worry about those fees oh. up front. And same thing on like uh, the legal end. If we're drafting up the HBR units, I mean, we very rarely charge our client on drafting the HBR docs. Wow. Um, but, right. you know, we take those costs out at closing, which saves them a lot of initial, like, oh, well, I don't want to pay this now. Is this going to be worth it? Something like that. But it's so much easier for them to process those costs when it comes out at closing. So what you're talking about is um, HBRs are a huge thing in huge. Nashville. And horizontal property regime? Yes. Bada bing, bada boom. <laughs> I try. I try. AKA Colin's There you go. <laughs> They're huge around here, and a lot of people don't know. Um, the property is shared, but it's like two homes on one property. Right. And you have to have an HOA with the two owners of the property plus Correct. one other person. Correct. Well, you can, uh, I mean, the HPR doesn't have to have any members in it. You can be okay. the, uh, the sole unit owner. So oh. the owners of the property create the HPR in those townhomes. It's mm -hmm. like the homes at, I always keep using this as an example, the homes at Corkscrew and Contracts. <laughs> they would own the unit A and unit B um, and be classified as the, essentially the unit owners. But then those units will get sold mm -hmm. to A, B, and B so to, you know, to God knows. I mean, it could be some investment or it could be um, somebody's primary residence because they love the property. Yeah. You just have to make sure that, you know, I mean, there's a, a new rule that came out that they backdated um, some Airbnb laws here in Nashville. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you guys, you know, heard about that where a lot of people received permits to Airbnb and lease out their property, yes. but they had to come and take them back. Mm -hmm. So those are, you know, conversations you want to make sure that, you know, if you're going to have an investment property that you're allowed to do that. It's not right. residential only. And a lot of the times that, you know, causes a lot of concern. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Good to know. Yeah. Because you definitely don't want to invest in investment property oh, and not be able to use exactly. it. And we talk about tough conversations to have, horror stories to have. I mean, we have that, you know, sometimes. And it's, it's difficult because they put their bread and butter and they spend a lot of time investigating and preparing this property to be their baby, their big time investment. And then at the end of the day, they can't do anything. Be sure to register for our investor seminar coming March 28th, where you can see Jennifer and me live and in person in the Nashville, Tennessee area. Uh, location and time to be determined. Check that out on the website. We'll have tips on flips and buy and holds, as well as a hard money investor. Again, that's March 28th, and you can check that out on the website at corkscrewsandcontracts.com. Sometimes, especially in this industry, you learn the most from the tough clients, the tough deals. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, um, you'd mentioned something about uh, a time when a client decided to do all cash kind of right at the end. Mm -hmm. How, uh, tell us some more about that. So all cash deals we love. Okay. All cash <laughs> deals. I mean, they are because uh, 
sometimes like the communications with the lender and sometimes they, they push back the closing date and the funding and all that stuff will take a uh, will take quite a while. Yeah. Um, but when it comes down to all cash, I mean, as long as we get the title research back, we make it an emergency. I mean, we can get that bad boy back in the blink of an eye. Wow. I mean, we've had clients literally, you know, Monday say, hey, this is good. These two properties are going to close. They're all cash by Friday. I'm like, okay, sent the emergency title abstract in, got it back. Title was clear, got him in the closing. So that stuff is when it comes down to all cash. I mean, we're we're definitely a fan. It's definitely a fan. Agents prefer that too. hundred oh, percent. And those times, I mean, a lot of the times with the people that are paying in all cash, you know, they'll likely be a season. They could be a seasoned investor. You know, they have money, they have liquidity to throw around. So they'll come to the closing table all jazz they'll be fired up happy you know they'll come with a check and be like how much do you got how much do i owe you guys you know they're not going to sit there and whine about a 27 dollar ancillary fee for their closing costs you know they literally just show up with a check and say how much do we owe you let's pop the champagne and like i'm ready for my next property wow. <laughs> so oh, it's a blast Man, I, it's true I, uh, in in i've been able to do that a couple of times all cash deals oh, and it's yeah. so cool because sure enough you know with a with a traditional deal where there's a lender and all this stuff it's like six times the paperwork oh oh my god <laughs> oh, seriously you walk in that closing table and instead of having like stacks of documents it's just like, <laughs> like 10. yeah <laughs> Like, like, we'll be amazing. out of here in about 10 minutes. Yeah, oh, exactly. <laughs> you know? Exactly. It's amazing. Oh, my gosh. It's fascinating. Wow. Very cool. What's the longest deal you've ever had to deal with? You know, just it dragged and dragged. The longest deal. Well, I got to say this without even, without, with, my, with my best, without throwing shade at <laughs> anybody or any, any, any company. Um, but we've had one of the most difficult refinances that has taken close to six months wow. to close wow. and that is solely because i'm not going to name the bank but the bank has been just so extremely difficult to get in contact with and this goes back to my uh problem with the deeds of trust still encumbering the property those deeds of trust were only on there because there was a faulty judgment that made that basically told the assessor's office at the property line encumbered on our client's property which it didn't and it shouldn't have but that judgment pushed the property line, so we, so our clients had to take on title their two deeds of trust oh. that weren't theirs. There were, it was a, it was a three hundred thousand dollar one and, a, and uh, maybe a hundred thousand dollar one. Like that's a lot of money. Like, yeah, you're not going to obviously you're not going to pay that if it's not your deed of trust. So right. we had to literally hire a surveyor, go out, restructure the property lines, send that surveyor to the bank. They had to retype out a new legal description on the property to get the lien releases filed. All on, you know, I mean, we, it's just so frustrating because, you know, sometimes these big banks, it's a, very difficult to get in touch with the people that you want to talk to. I mean, you can leave a voicemail and you can call and send letters and, you know, send cookies and flowers and all that. <laughs> They'll still get back to you in like three weeks to four weeks and, and be like, wow. hey, actually, can you send this again? Or, oh. hey, actually, can you, um, you know, for some reason, somebody, the employee in our office is no longer here, so we're going to have to go through the process again, and they're going to have to type up new paperwork. Oh. So basically, like, we've been having to deal with that, you know, on a weekly basis. But thankfully, knock on wood, that we got all the two uh, deed of trust lien releases, all, all rocked, all signed, all executed from the bank, that we can finally get our clients to refinance their property. So that was just like a headache 
in a, you know, in a nutshell. But and normally a refinance is much easier than first, like the first time purchase. Oh yeah, okay. oh, 100%. <laughs> re- refinances, you know, especially if they're within. And what we do is, you know, as a title company, if they have a homeowner's policy within ten years, we can get thirty five percent off of their premium, so oh. we can save them a lot of money. But with refinances. You know, they may have purchased the property a few years ago. So likelihood, their title's probably clean. It's not going to take too much digging into. All they're doing is basically just changing their interest rate. And we'll just have the closing documents. So that stuff is usually so smooth. And one title company will close the entire refinance. So we like it, obviously, because we, you know, it's, it's more business for us. But, you know, it just makes the process a lot easier rather than dealing with, you know, two title companies. And that's, you know, makes me think about, which I don't know if we can talk about, is what Tennessee structure and that a buyer and seller each decide their own title company. I mean, we can represent the buyers and the sellers, yes. but the way Tennessee law is structured is that they require a title company for each side. Versus back in Maryland, the buyer's agent would be the only one deciding where they would close, and one yeah. title company would close the entire transaction, wow. which is it has its plus and then it has its minuses uh, here in Nashville. But. You know, if yeah. we can take the entire transaction, that makes things a lot easier. Well, I mean, it's nicer because when I, when you have a great relationship with someone, you get to keep using them. Exactly. For each deal. 100%. And you go, oh, great. You know, I'm like, oh, it's just, not just Brad, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah. which, which reminds me again about um, national banks versus local or sure. regional, you know. And uh, we, we had talked about that with, uh, with Paul in the, uh, the previous episode. Just the... Um, the helpfulness of knowing your local banker. So true. So true. And the, the speed can flow so much better when they're like, oh, that's just so-and-so. I see him all the time or her all the time. And so does that help you? Do you see the difference? Oh, 100%. I love, and that's what we advocate a lot on our title side is that we're not trying to be the massive title company that you know, houses mm-hmm. 100 to 200 closings a month. Right. You know, we don't want to be, I mean, obviously that, that's awesome business, but, you know, we're a boutique sports and entertainment firm and we like to give, you know, that same service to all of our clients. Like, you know, right when I first met you guys, I was like, you guys can have my cell phone. And when we would do a transaction, like you can call, text, like come knock on our door and like we'll answer your question right away versus some of these big teams don't have, you know, a bunch of members that you might not even be able to reach their attorney. But, you know, back to with the local banks, I mean, it's the same thing with like working with a trusted loan officer, somebody that you can get in touch with that doesn't have a a massive staff, you know, a staff that's one, you're going to talk to somebody out in Dallas, you're going to talk to somebody out in California to close your transaction in Tennessee. And if you can have, you know, that small knit boutique feel on the loan side, oh, you know, by all means, like that's the easiest thing that they can do. Right, and I just kind of a shout out to Brad, because and, and talk to talk about how relationships matter in this industry. Again, um, we earnest money needed to be turned in. Oh yes. yeah! So this is a great full disclosure <laughs> moment. <laughs> We've worked with Brad before. Uh-huh. Go ahead, continue. I like that full disclosure moment. <laughs> yeah, it's a celebrated yeah. one. Please, by all cheers, means. Cheers, 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 cheers to that. Yes. <laughs> so Ernest's money had to be turned in. Uh, Wyatt had to go look at property in another state the next day. Yes. Brad is an early riser and lives close by. So it was one of those things at 10 o'clock at night, text Brad and find out if we can drop Ernest money off at 7 a.m. the next morning Boom. to make it come happen. On, come on by, we'll have coffee. Get out. <laughs> and I'll make you guys scramble eggs. There we go. And that's how it was. He was like, yeah, come on over. This is great. We'll make yes. it happen. 
Um, and that's so important because if something's not going right, you have that relationship to get it fixed or to, to go um, outside of normal business to make it happen. Right. Um, I did have a title situation. I was the buyer's agent. It wasn't my title company that did this. But um, where after the closing, there was land that was not given to my client because mm. uh, it was on the other side of the road. And right. so after closing, there was still a lot of title work that got called after the fact and still right. fixed. So if you have that relationship with somebody, it's going to get done. 100%. Right. <laughs> right. You have somebody that you can talk to that you know can give you an answer. Right. Just like that. If you don't know your title guy, it may not. I don't know your title guy. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> not many people, not many people yeah. say that. You don't know your title guy, but we're changing yeah. the game. Right. Uh, well, thank you guys. I appreciate that. Absolutely. Yeah, you mentioned, of course, sports and entertainment is what the row title is known for. Absolutely. Well, I mean, I, I don't want you to drop names or anything, but, you know, what is it like working with celebrities? It's, it's, it's fun. I mean, it's enjoyable. I mean, you know, musicians, sometimes they're, they're a big hassle. You know, they're, they're all little divas all over the place. So, you know, we've had to, you know, close transactions where a client was on a tour bus and they made a quick pit stop literally at like a, a small gas station. So we sent a mobile notary out there to close the transaction before they went to the next state. No. Oh, so that's kind of like, I mean, that, 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 that's what we're dealing with a lot. And, you know, I wow. mean, the music industry, it's, it's, it's certainly, it's certainly fun. You know, I love being an advocate, especially, you know, I mean, we have entertainment partners who, you know, represent clients on the producing, management, recording and publishing side of things. But even on the real estate side of things, if we can help, you know, out these musicians that I'm massive fans for and be able to go support them at their show. And a lot of times lawyers aren't always the one that gets the free tickets right away. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, if we can have that, you know, full on like close relationship that we try to give, you know, our clients to the title company, but same thing on the uh, entertainment side. Then that's just, I mean, that just means, it means the world. Talking about going above and beyond for clients. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm just talking about dropping off Ernest Oh, money. I know, I know, just dropping, like, pit stop. All right, we're going to go close this real quick and you're towards us. Very so, cool. So fun, yeah. We touched on it a little bit already about forming a team. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, as an, as an investor and, and, and having an agent, uh, need a title attorney. Right. Uh, tell me some more about what else goes together with a great team and how important that is. Oh, 100%. I mean, it is with, you know, the, obviously the, the real estate agent. You know, those are, you know, you guys are obviously so, so important. Um, you know, say, for instance, if we're using an investor, like having a, a real estate agent that's knowledgeable in the industry, knows the areas, has been through the process, can help steer a transaction. I mean, that when I, when I know I'm working with an experienced real estate agent yeah. that's on top of their stuff, that makes me confident. If you're an investor, having a CPA or business manager, having somebody run the books, yeah. you know, I, even if, you know, you may be so fluent in numbers and you may be able to handle your books on your own, but like once you start spilling out massive transactions, that's a lot of money at stake and you want somebody that's properly looking at your books, paying the taxes on time. So having a CPA often, you know, really, really gets overlooked for these investors. Well, and an investor's uh, day job should be looking for more property, not doing exactly. that. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Oh, and it's, it's like a, so many of us are, are, are right brain people, 
or, or left, I guess left brain's what, the analytical numbers people? Or maybe yeah, they're numbers yeah, people, yeah, but yeah. at the end of the day, get exhausted. Oh. You know, and it's a whole new skill. It's right. not like you can just show up and be like, I'm just going to run these books now. Exactly. You know, yeah. and I just go, oh, I've already calculated all the square footage right now for this house. I know where my contractor's coming to meet me with these numbers, and yeah. I know what this needs to look like, and I can visualize everything that's going on with this property, but I am tired when I have to go and put these things into you know, spreadsheets and I'm like, it's like extras. Oh, that's and the last so thing I enjoy having someone that has the knowledge. Exactly. And they go, oh, it's no big deal, Wyatt. I, we got this, it's done. What? Isn't that, <laughs> you know? that's such a good feeling. Mm-hmm. That's such a good feeling. Well, and I don't know what you're saying from an agent's standpoint, we don't want to be in on the title stuff. Right. Like, I want to give you the information and I want to know it's handled and that we're set to close. Like, exactly. that's what I want to know. Oh, exactly. Because you've, you've put in the legwork. The last mm-hmm. thing you want to deal with is coming back and forth with a title company or back and forth with a lender, you know, on frustrating topics. You know, you did the, you've done the dirty work. You know, you've got your clients, you know, selling at an awesome price or buying, the, you know, their dream property. Mm-hmm. You know, now it's like, let us handle this and you can come and enjoy, you know, the closing experience. Right. <laughs> The party. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Wine, Chardonnay. Well, very cool, Brad. Thank you so much for oh, being with guys, us today. This was a blast. Yeah. This is so much fun. Man, I, I just, I feel like, oh, it's Brad. <laughs> it's me. You guys definitely bring uh, bring your deals over to this guy. I mean, he's wonderful. All the great people at the Road Title and Escrow LLC will take great care of you. Um, and so let's... Um, Gosh, let's clink one more time. Let's do it. Yeah. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> Boom. Corkscrews and contracts, baby. This has been a production of Corkscrews and Contracts. Podcast copyright 2019.